Good morning, everyone, again. Um, my name's Nick. I'm one of the pastors here at Gospel Community Church, and uh, I always like to do this, as you guys know. Our vision is to live authentic lives, proclaiming the good news of Jesus and inviting Castle Country to belong to and expand the way. And how do we do this? Anybody? No, grow, go. The Great Commission is in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them all to observe that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of age. And that is no, grow, go. Know Jesus, grow in Jesus, and go share the hope found in Jesus. And I had like a proud dad moment this week because I share this every time I preach. And we started doing a little uh, Bible reading plan together on the Bible app. And uh, Ben Marshall, he's not here. He brought. The, he's like, this is a. This reminds me of our no grow go. And I'm like, yeah, people know it. So I'm gonna pound it into your guys's head so that you guys know it. Um, but so we're gonna continue on in our Jesus and all of Scripture, where we're looking at uh, just different stories in the Bible that point to Jesus and this grand narrative of the Bible and how it all points to to the gospel of Jesus. And so we're in week three, and we're gonna talk about Joshua this week. And before we get too much into Joshua, I want to talk about some shoes. You guys like shoes? Anybody like shoes? So I'm going to talk about some shoes to fill, and uh, I'm going to talk about my dad a little bit. You guys probably hear a lot about him from me, but I'm going to talk about my dad. A lot of people at his work know him as Uncle Bob. Mike, you're shaking your head. That's Uncle Bob. And Uncle Bob... He's not, he's not Mike's uncle. He's not everybody's uncle that works there. But he has this, uh, this uh, personality that, that people kind of just flock to. And all growing up, like all my cousins, all the, his nieces and nephews, it was always like fun and exciting when Uncle Bob came around. He would let them climb. We had, you know, I got one cousin who's like, don't even make eye contact her with her. She'll crawl all over your head. And my dad would be like, I see you. And she would be crawling on his head. So he's got this, you know, Uncle Bob persona, and it carried on over into work because I had some cousins that worked there, and then everybody at work calls him Uncle Bob. From the HR guy to the, to the owner of the company over Intermountain Electronics, they all call him Uncle Bob. And these shoes to fill, like, I've seen that my whole life growing up. And I've put, like, some unnecessary pressure on myself, but he's also been a great model, role model because I want to be Uncle Nick. I want to be that same type of person for my nieces and nephews and for, you know, people that I work with. And I want to be, you know, their Uncle Bob, but I'm Uncle Nick. And I see that already. I always tell my nieces and nephews to call me Funkle Nick because I'm the fun uncle. So I'm Funkle Nick. And I have those shoes to fill. And just those memories of my dad, you know, when we'd have sleepovers and stuff like that, he was always getting up and making breakfast and making, like, not just, like, here's your bowl of cereal. It was like, we got pancakes, we got eggs, we got sausage, we got this, we got that. So he was always doing those sorts of things. And I look at those shoes to fill, and like I said, I put that pressure on me. And the reason I'm telling you this is because this is, like, I could see Joshua kind of doing that that same thing. If you're not familiar with the, the book of Joshua or who Joshua is, we're going to lay a little bit of foundation before we get much into Joshua. So when I, when I look at the book of Joshua, I see it as a parallel in the New Testament to the book of Acts. And I think 
I think an analogy, like Joshua is to the Torah as Acts is to the Gospels. Is that what it's called, an analogy? Okay. I'm like, I remember something from school. (laughs) So Joshua is to the Torah as Acts is to the Gospels. The Gospels tell us the life and ministry of Christ up to the resurrection, and depending on which Gospel, also the ascension. And that's the whole foundation, and then it moves into the book of Acts, the second volume. And the Gospels are the first account of all that Jesus be, uh, began to do and teach. And that's where Luke says that in, in Acts that um, I wrote about the, all that Jesus began to do and teach. And that the book of Acts is going to be ongoing, working through the apostles. And, and that's what the book of Joshua is like. It's the foundation, or not, not it's like Acts. And the foundation is laid in the Torah, the first five books. So we're going to talk a little bit about the first five books here. And the first one being Genesis, in the beginning, God creates. God creates it all from nothing. He speaks it into existence. And in that creation account, he creates mankind. And it was very good. He creates Adam, and then he takes uh, Adam and he puts him to sleep, and he pulls a rib out, and he creates Eve, and we have the first marriage. And here they are, the Imago Dei, the image bearers of God. But everything was marred when they chose to define good and evil for themselves, when they took, partook of the fruit. And so the story goes on, and eventually we get to the flood where God decides to start over. And then we come into, you know, God's mission to rescue and restore uh, his people begins with what Chris preached on last week, with Abraham, Abraham and Isaac. And he makes a promise, and that's where it can, the, the, the mission to rescue and restore begins. And then we get into the second book, the book of Exodus, and it brings us to where the Israelites end up being enslaved by the Egyptians. And the first half of it talks about Moses being raised up to deliver, and the Israelites are a nation without a home. They're delivered from Egypt, and they're left wandering and wondering. Eventually, in the book of Exodus, they make it to Mount Sinai, and God invites them and wants to make them representatives of him to all the nations and live in their midst. And then we got the golden calf. That's a bad idea. And people turn from God and trust in their golden calf, and, and it, it becomes a bad idea. And then eventually in the book of Exodus, we get to where Moses attempts to enter the temple, but is unable to enter into God's presence. And then we come to the third book, the book of Leviticus. And God gives them instructions. Instructions to purify themselves to enter into the holiness of God. In week one, we talked about that holiness of God and the purification process and what would happen. And though it seems strange to us, it's all purposeful that they are able to commune with God. And now, now that they can commune, he will deliver them to the promised land. And then we get into the book of Numbers. The tide shifts what uh, should have been a short trip turns into 40 years thanks to, last, thanks to the lack of trust 
in God. But in spite of all their rebellion, God continues to deliver on his promise and provide for them. Which brings us to Deuteronomy. The epic, epic conclusion to the Torah. And Moses dies. And he gives his final message to be different than the last generation. Listen to God. Love God. Love one another. Receive the promise. And Moses' death is, is the exclamation point to the Torah. And it sets the scene for the continuation of God's ultimate plan. And that's where the book of Joshua picks up. And just like I said, the gospel sets up the book of Acts. And we have in the gospels, it sets up the continuation of God's ultimate plan. So we're going to read Joshua 1, 1 through 9 again. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, just as I promised Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. All the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it, meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have a good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So there's that very last verse, I think, sticks out. And it's like that, uh, I mean, I literally, we have it on Rome's wall. It's that saying that you pull out of the Bible and you slap up on a, on a vinyl lettering and put it on your wall, or we have it on a little canvas for Rome that says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And that message of being strong and courageous is repeated three times. And here, I believe it's because God knew what lied ahead for Joshua. God knew what was coming for the Israelites. He knew what they would be facing. He knew, like, the battles they were going to fight. He knew what was going to happen for them, to, what, what, what would ha had to happen for them to cross the Jordan River. He knew what they were going to be facing. And, and it wasn't like Israel was just going to march in and it was going to be all easy and, and they go marching across the river and they get into Jericho and like everybody just falls over dead. You know, that's not what it means to be strong and courageous. That would be uh, easy. 
And it's not like they were going to just march into Jericho and everybody was going to flee and run away from them. No, it was going to be hard and it was going to take strength and courage. And, you know, that what lies ahead for them to cross the, 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 the Jordan River and to go into Jericho and take the promised land. Like the, the Canaanites had a far superior army. They had chariots. They had horses. And, 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 you know, put yourself in their shoes. Here you are going against this awesome army. And like there's, you don't have any of that great stuff. And I asked, I was sitting with Rome the other day, and we were talking about this, and I was like, what kind of, what do you think we should, like, if we were in an army fight, like, what, was the, what would be the biggest, baddest weapon we could march in with? A tank. Like, yeah, of course, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, what do you think would happen to those other guys that didn't have a tank? They'd be scared. Like, yeah. So it's just that simple, like, being so, you know, Rome being so young and small, and like, he doesn't even know that I'm like, picking his brain for my sermon, but <laughs> it's like, yeah, it, it had to be scary for the Israelites, knowing what they were up against. But God did. He knew exactly what lied ahead. And I think of this, how this is be strong and courageous, be strong and very courageous, be strong and courageous is repeated. And God's not like this self-help guru God. He doesn't say, muster up this inner strength inside you and go out and be strong and courageous. Now, these, are, these are God's divine words. And just as he spoke all of creation into existence, he's speaking strength and courage into Joshua. It's not something coming from inside himself. It's more than just encouragement. It's more than just, you'll do great, Joshua. You got this. But it's God's own words. And God conveys the strength. God conveys the courage. And, and, and like I said, this isn't like, uh, you know, Braveheart, when he gives the, the speech before uh, going into battle. Um, what does he say? They can take our freedom, but they'll never... I think take our lives, but they never have all f- our freedom. Is that right? Or do I got it backwards? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. And then they moon them. Woo! No. <laughs> but in, so this isn't like a Braveheart speech where he's getting, you know, getting them all pumped up before they enter into battle. The, the, the strong and courageous thing to do here is to trust God. And he, after the first time, or the second time, so verse 6 says, be strong and courageous. And then verse 7 says, only be strong and very courageous. Being careful to do all that Moses, my servant, commanded you. In verse 8, he says, my word shall not depart from your mouth. Meditate on them day and night. He's saying the strength and courage is in me. Have the strength to listen to my words. Be courageous to trust me. He's telling Joshua, don't let it part from you. 
Immerse yourself in my word. Meditate on it. Continue in the footsteps of my service, servant Moses, and you will be doing my will. And then we get into uh, Joshua 10 and 11. Here they're, they're on the brink of entering the promised land. It says, verse 10, And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, Prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. So, so Joshua, like, the day has come. He's like, get ready. Three days away. And, and I thought of this. I'm going to be 33 on Tuesday. In fact, today is the exact one year that I got knocked out and when I tried to be an MMA fighter. And, uh, <laughs> but I'm 33. I'm going to be 33 on Tuesday. And, and, you know, Tony, I'm using the example. Sorry to point you out. But Tony's uh, four, 10 years older than me. <laughs> Sorry, Tony. But I thought about, like, Tony, he would have been, like, if he was there from a child, he would have heard about the promised land his whole life. From the time he was three years old, he would have heard about the promised land. And now, like, for him, the day is coming. You know, Moses is dead. We mourned. Now our time has come. The day is coming. We're crossing to the Jordan and going to the promised land. Everyone, get ready. We're, we're doing this. Get everything ready. We're going. And, and, like, just that thought of, like, being there, like, I've heard about this my whole life. And the day's finally here. Can you imagine the emotions going on in people? What's going through their heads of, like, you know, we're here. The time has come. This 40 years is up. We're done wandering. Our, our promised land is right there. They're getting ready. And we get into verse, uh, verse 12, and it says, To the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word the Moses servant of your Lord commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is with you, providing you a place of rest, and will give you this land. So we have these tribes, and they've decided to not permanently settle in the promised land. They asked Moses if they could settle outside. So we have these tribes here, and, and they said yes. And Moses said, yeah. God said, yes, you can have it, but first you need to help your brothers, the Israelites. So that's what's going on here. We have these tribes that are they're helping Israelites get into the promised land, but they want to settle outside. We'll pick up in verse 13. Uh, remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is with you, providing you a place of rest, and give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over, armed before your brothers, and shall help them. They're the first ones going into the battle here. They're the first ones going to be going across. Until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you, and they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you, sh then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, All that 
you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you have commanded him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. He reminds them that their family's staying behind. They're going to head up the battle. They're going to be at the forefront. They're going to be the first men going into battle. And it's kind of, if, if, I don't have as much backstory on it, but they agree. And their response is, just as we have obeyed Moses in all things. Well, they just wandered in the des- desert for 40 years. Which they didn't really obey him. They kind of forgot their own history of things. And, and <laughs> I just think of, I always put myself in like the shoes of whatever character uh, of the Bible or whatever person of the Bible I'm reading about, and, and I imagined hearing that. Yeah, we're going to go along and obey you just like we obeyed Moses. And I was like, wait a second. We just wa- wandered in the desert for 40 years. That doesn't sound very promising. That doesn't sound very exciting. They didn't listen to him. They didn't obey him. And here they are saying, yeah, we're in, just like we were with Moses. Oh, great. You know, something, like I said, that wasn't supposed to take very long, took 40 years. And here they are saying, don't worry, we'll treat you the same as Moses. Oh, gee, thanks. So here they are, they're gearing up for this moment of entering the promised land. It's coming. It's coming. Just wait. It's coming. The day is finally here where we get to enter the promised land. We are just days away. But here we are getting ready to enter the land of rest. You guys picked up on where Christ is in this story? So, in doing a little more studying of where Christ is in this narrative, we're going to talk about the name Joshua. Joshua, in Hebrew, Yoeshua, which means Yahweh is salvation. He's the captain of the Israelites leading them into the promised land. And as we go in, as you dive in more, when you read the book of Joshua, they waited on the banks of the Jordan River, and the priests came along, and they took the Ark of the Covenant, and they entered in first, and the water stopped, and two million people were able to cross that river. And just like when they crossed the Red Sea, they crossed on dry land. And after crossing, the captain Joshua led his army to conquer and possess the land, destroying the cities of Jericho and Ai and defeating numerous armies. Joshua, Yahweh is salvation. He apportioned the land to the twelve tribes, and after they settled, he gave his final speech. And he put in place and statutes and rules for them, and he wrote them in the book of the law. He was faithful to ask Yahweh for his direction in the challenges that he faced, being strong and courageous in him. Joshua, Yahweh is salvation, died at 110 years old at the end of the story of Joshua. 
So let's talk about Jesus now. This I geeked out on. I love this kind of stuff when God puts these things in the Bible and how his word is written, and he's just so awesome. Jesus. That's our, that's, that's our English form. And then we have the name Yeshua. Have you guys heard the name Yeshua? Yeshua is a Greek shortened version of Yoeshua. Yahweh is salvation. So here they are. They have the same name. Yahweh is salvation. And here, Jesus, he's the captain of our salvation. His ministry began on the very same banks of that very same River Jordan. When the heavens opened up and the Father said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And he was baptized. He's the captain of our salvation. He led the charge of conquering sin, Satan, and death by going to the cross. The wrath of God was poured out on him, and he died, following God's will. When he prayed, not my will, but your will. If there was a way to let this cup pass, then let it pass. But he died, following God's will. Three days later, he rose from the grave, proving that he's the way into the promised land. When God commissioned Joshua, he told him three times, be strong and courageous. And at the, like that message of being strong and courageous, he took it so far, and it even ends up being repeated back to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Have confidence and who God is. Jesus took that message to the grave when he said, not my will, but yours, being confident in who the Father is and following his plan. Be strong and courageous. Trust in him. Be strong and courageous in his word. Do not let his words depart from your mouth. Meditate on them day and night. Be strong and courageous in him. When you're afraid of what lies ahead, be strong and courageous in him. Be strong and courageous. Easier said than done, though, right? It's, it's that easier said than done part. And I shared with you guys a few weeks ago about some of the things that I'm going through, and so much easier said than done being strong and courageous in him. But we just hold on to that truth of who Jesus says he is, that the work that was done on the cross and the hope that we can have. That's what's making me strong and courageous is him, is just looking to Jesus. And it's not always easy. It's not always fun. I don't always, in fact, I don't like it. (laughs) But that, when I read that, to be strong and courageous and never let his words depart from your mouth, there was just so much in that. It was like, it's all in him. It doesn't rest on my shoulders. It isn't all about me. And to me, it all leads back to the Great Commission. 
And I come full circle around, like being strong and courageous in Him and trusting in Him. And I thought about that, that great commission. And why I want like us as a church, when we read the Bible and we read God's Word, to see Christ in all of Scripture, to point to you know, who He is and fall in love with who He is, because that's what it's all about. In these stories, we heard of Abraham and Isaac last week and, and, and how it all points to Jesus. And, and now the story of Joshua, when you read, and it all points to Jesus, it just helps solidify who Jesus is and, and that we can have that relationship with him, that we build on that relationship with him when we see him throughout all of Scripture. And it, like I said, it takes me back to the, to the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always. Oh, man. I was going to read something to you guys. There it is. And this was uh, in our devotional that we've been doing uh, with some of the men in the church. And, and Seeing Christ in all Scripture, and and then reading this from Ben Marshall. I hope he's okay. He's not here to say no. Don't share that. But uh, I'm sharing what he wrote this week. And, and this is what Ben said. He said, "This reminds me of the go part of the church slogan. If we only spend time, our time with people like us, and never reach out to others, we will only know and grow in Jesus. Never go." It's about stepping out of our comfort zone and spreading the gospel, finding the people who need help or are looking for something in their lives and helping to find their way to Christ. It's easy to know and grow in Jesus, but the hard part is doing that, that last thing of going. And when we see Jesus in all scripture and we have a relationship with him and we know him, it's a lot easier to talk about him. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your amazing grace. I thank you that, that you gave us your word, God, to know who you are, to have a relationship with you, God, because you first loved us. And I pray today, God, as we read your word, that we would look to that, that big picture, God, that it's all about Jesus, that we would grow in him that we'd know him more, that we'd fall in love with the person of who Jesus is, that we'd fall in love with Jesus. Because that's what it's all about. When we look at Christ in all of Scripture, that's what it's all about. I pray that we would have a hope in Jesus. I pray that in those times where it's easier said than done, when we don't feel very strong and courageous, God, that you would just Show us who you are in your word. Reveal to us who you are in your word, God. And we would see you more clearly. I pray, God, for your protection. I pray, God, for your protection because when we don't feel strong and courageous, that's when the enemy wants to grab us. And I just pray, God, that you protect us from the enemy. 
I rebuke the enemy away from each and every person in this place, God, and that they would be strong and courageous in you and not let your word depart from their mouth. That they would meditate on it day and night. love you. And it's in your good and gracious name we pray. Amen.